Blog Talk Radio. Aloha and welcome to Talking Pictures, episode 205. How cool is that? How exciting is that? We are blessed to be at this point. Today is awesome. I am jazzed. Anytime we get to do these interviews, I'm jazzed. And I'm really excited about today because this is an interview that uh, I want to say it's a record. I have not uh, just due to the schedule to film the wedding invitation. We're here to talk with film director Rainy Kerwin, who's going to be calling in in a few minutes. Uh, I have, uh, we've been talking about this show since probably last September. And so this is so cool because she's kept her word to do it. And I'll be, inter- I'll be introducing Rainy in a moment. Um, I'll bring her in a sec. But uh, this is so exciting because not only is the film good, the wedding invitation, is it, it's totally hilarious. You can catch it on. Well, we'll get into all that. But uh, this was uh, something that we've talked about for such a long time that I've joked that this is like my Star Wars of how long I've waited. And so thank you so much. And Rainy, welcome to the show. Are you with us? Hi. Yes, Paul, I am. And thanks for having me. <laughs> Way oh, to set the bar really you. high. Your Star Wars. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's 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 partially because I'm I'm not that into Star Wars. That was a joke. Um, okay. Uh, Phew. <laughs> but yeah, no. It's 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 really cool. It's it's really cool to be here because we've we've talked about this and and people. You know, we get lost in schedules and PR. So the show and our team of producers wanted me to acknowledge you to you, to you on air about that. Um, what oh, we thanks, will start guys. out with here. Oh, you're, you're more, you're so welcome. What we're going to start out with here is, is that Rainey made this great film called the wedding invitation. It's great for anyone, guys, girls, date, girls sitting around, guys sitting around, whatever. Um, you can catch it on Amazon, iTunes, Xbox. Uh, Rainey, Hold the quadruple hat here of she wrote the film, directed the film, co-produced the film, and, and was the lead actress. Now, to people that don't make films, it's hard just to do one of those in a film. So I want to kick it off with you, Rainey, by saying, well, first of all, I'd like you to say what the film's about, and then I'll go into my first question. Okay. Um, Well, the film is about three best friends who get a last-minute invitation to an 80s prom-themed wedding. But this is not just any wedding. To them, it is the wedding of the decade because the girl who's having the wedding was the coolest, prettiest, nicest girl in high school, Um, and her name is Denise Masterson. They're sort of obsessed with this. You know, 10, 12 years after high school, they're still kind of obsessed with this really cool girl. And so when they get this invitation, they just think their life is set. Um, But there's this assumption that they're going to bring dates. So they take this on as their opportunity to go out and get these amazing plus ones. And, you know, it's like, why today? Why get the plus ones today? Well, you know, when do you ever really stop and say, hey, today I'm going to go out and hit on a guy instead of waiting for him to hit on me. And that's what these three girls do. They empower themselves and say, you know, we're single. We don't want to be single. We don't want to be chosen. We want to go choose the guy that, you know, that we have a crush on or we've crushed for years and we want to go tell him. So this is their opportunity. 
Well, I, I have to say I love the premise, and please, women, you do need to start hitting on a smart. Okay, that sounded really bad. Um, but the way you no, explained you know, it, I, will say I was like, genius. Go ahead, say. That, well, that's what, whenever, whenever I have this conversation with a guy, they're like, yeah, girls should be hitting on us. We want that more. <laughs> but when I have the conversation with girls, it's a very different story. And don't get me wrong, not all girls, but I would say 90% of women say, yeah, they'd rather be hit on or they feel like if they hit on a guy, it's not taken well or they look desperate um, or the guy wonders what's wrong with you. Why are you hitting on me? So there's this whole, you know, kind of gray area that as, as far as we've advanced, that still seems to be um, dominated by men hitting on women. That, that. That, yeah, the, dating, you know, the dating world. You know, what you just said spawned an entire, an entire social commentary podcast for another time because I you just sure it did, my yeah. for a I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like we are, you know, we, we all, we have to get our confidence together and put on our shirt and make sure. Our, okay. Yeah. I won't say it. Okay. So get, <laughs> I'll, I'll get back on course. Um, this is, this is, um, so what my question was, was, you, you you know you had the story the vision so great and you're 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 in charge although you're one of those filmmakers uh which all filmmakers should do but don't who knows that it's a team effort and credits their team but what i was really intrigued by was in as a director you're directing yourself acting how do you mm-hmm. it's kind of a twofold question how do you know that you're actually being funny and it's working? And if you're having to decide where the camera goes, are the lights right, are the marks right, all that, where do you get your time for actor meditation to make the scene work? Well, I mean, there's so many answers to that. I mean, you're right. It's twofold. It's, it's tenfold. Um, I'll start off by saying it is a team. It is a team effort. So I had a producing partner um, named um, Sage Group, and she's amazing. And she came on, and she sat in on my rehearsals. So I rehearsed. I don't know if this has ever been done before, but I rehearsed everybody. I rehearsed the day players because I knew that we were going to get to set and there was going to be no time for it. Um, So we would block, light, rehearse, shoot. That was our order of what we would do. But there wasn't time, you know, during blocking to work things out. I mean, we were just, you know, really just blocking the scene. And even the rehearsal was just for camera and lights. It wasn't so much to figure out the characters. Um, And and the comedy and the beats and the timing, I mean, it's comedy. So, you know, in order for it to really work, look at a Judd Apatow film, right? It has to be in the moment. Even though the lines, well, he has so much unscripted stuff and, and we didn't in this film, but you have to be improvising with, within the lines. And by that, I mean, you got to say the lines because they're written a certain way and, you know, the writer's on set, but it has to, it has to be so fluid and so in the moment. And the way you say it has to be, has to be improvised in that moment. And so unless you can kind of figure out the comedy and the timing and the beats beforehand, I don't think it really gives you that luxury on set to play in the moment and make it fresh. So, and for that reason, because I knew we weren't going to have the time on set to figure that out, I rehearsed absolutely everyone. And so Sage would sit in on the rehearsals. um, And so she knew what I wanted. So when I was on camera, which was a lot, uh, Sage was behind the camera 
And also shout out to my DP who I'm more of an actor's director, less of a technical director. So she was a huge asset to me. Um, We spent a lot of time before we shot sitting down at coffee shops and and figuring out what the look of this film is, how we wanted, um, how we wanted to kind of portray these characters within the lens. Um, And a big thing was movement. So, you know, on an indie film, you don't have the cranes, you don't have all of the, the fun gadgets, but what we did have, I mean, we didn't have a steady cam, we did have a slider. So the camera was on a slider, which basically um, you're on a tripod and the slider is on top of the tripod and the camera is just sliding back and forth. So that gave us a really kind of rich look and feel for it. So a lot of that was predetermined. Um, and then, you know, on the day we, we, were, we were set to shoot. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the, the directing acting part. But I'll, talk, I'll speak to this because, um, you know, I've worked for the last eight years at an acting conservatory um, called The Playground. And um, what that taught me, because I come from a, a, a background in acting for many, many years, it's really my, the only skill I have. I, I can't go get a, a real job because I don't have any other skills. But... I trained in that for a long time. And then, uh, yeah, I, I mean, who knows? Watch the film. I may not have that skill, but at the no, moment I'm going to go us, with it. I, works. That's all of us yeah. artists, right? We just know how to create. <laughs> right, right. So so because I, I'd worked as a, an acting coach and director for so long at this, at this conservatory, um, I was really comfortable working with actors. And so my skill is um, – I can my one my one skill we've established this is I can go in and, and figure out what's wrong with the scene and figure out how to fix it without giving line readings or telling the, the actors where to move. Um, just talking about intention and truth um, and having them go after what they want in the scene versus how they're going to say the line. It's it's not about that, right? So my big thing is I always say mimic life, don't mimic art. Because there's a tendency when you get on, on a set or on a stage to uh, how, is, how should this happen in life? How do I pick up the phone? Or, you know, how do you do it? But the truth is how we do it in life is so organic, and you've got to bring that to it. So I felt comfortable with that. But what worked for me as an actor, and, you know, like you said, how did I know if I had it or not, is – I mean, I didn't have to, as a director, I didn't have to translate what I wanted to Lucy the character because I was Lucy the character. And I'd lived with these these characters, you know, on the page for so many years um, that I had a real sense of how I wanted Lucy to be played. But that being said, you know, on the day, you don't know if you got it. So um, what I would do, and, and not just for myself, but for every single take, and, and, you know, Alicia Robbins, my DP, will attest to this. And I would watch playback on everything. So what I did was um, I took some advice from Ben Affleck. You know Ben? You guys know Ben? Um, oh, yeah. I could say it like I, like I know yeah. him. No. But I heard him in an interview one time. You, you know him? Say the following. You actually know him? That's no. Cool. No, I don't know him. Oh, okay. okay. But in an interview one time, he said, before he directed himself, he listened to an interview with Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson said, if you're going to act and direct yourself, take more takes on yourself. Because there's a tendency that to be, you know, oh, the crew wants to move on. You're holding everything up. Um, and because you are acting and directing, you need those options. So take more takes on yourself. So so that's what I did, you know, as, as kind of frustrating as it was at points. I'm like, nope, let's keep going. And then when I felt like I nailed it, I would say, okay, let's watch playback. And if I had, we moved on. And if I hadn't gotten it, we didn't move on. Well, you know, that's 
I like what you're saying. And also that Ben Affleck thing. I, I did see that interview. He talked where he talked with Kevin Costner and he talked with George Clooney. I saw an interview with George Clooney one time where he said he always felt like not to do too many takes on himself. So then the crew wasn't thinking this was like, oh, I get two, he gets eight. So that's interesting right. that all these, oh, all Kevin these actors. No, uh, Clooney was saying when he made Ides of March oh, that Clooney. he would be, yeah, he would be quicker with himself because he's like, if I'm going to give Ryan, Go- if Ryan Gosling only gets three, I shouldn't get five or six. So, um, but let's be honest, but... Ryan Gosling only needs one. <laughs> <laughs> He's perfect. <laughs> Me too. I agree with you. Kate Hudson, she every every movie she does, she deserves an Oscar. So it's we, we have similar tastes. Um, but I like what you're saying. Of course, Ryan Gosling and, and for a lot of women on the planet, Jared Leto is the only man who can grow a beard. Um, let's see. <laughs> This leads me into, uh, do you have a completely, because you, you had this acting background and you, and you, you, knew, you had some, you know, you weren't a technical director and you were with these characters so long, but as much time as you spent with it, did you have an, some form of an unexpected lesson where you came home and you thought, holy shit, had, had, I had no clue that was going to happen. I've been with it this long and I'm just like, wow, that came up. Oh, wow. You ask good questions. Um, I have not been asked that question. You mean within, within the, the confines of the script, like I was wowed on, on set? I mean, it could be anything, any, With, anything through the process um, where you were just like, yeah. Uh, well, you know, the first thing that jumps to mind is the scene that we probably actually shouldn't talk about. Cause you were saying, you know, are there any spoilers that we shouldn't talk about? And I'm, you know, the mustache scene. Oh, um, right, right. Okay. That scene, I probably can't really talk about it, but that scene, um, that scene really hit, that scene really hit in the moment, and I was like, damn, I I thought, because, you know, I've heard this before, that on set, something is so funny, and the crew is killing themselves laughing, but then it just doesn't play, like, if, if you weren't on set, it's not funny anymore, but to me, that really hit in the moment. And um, Alex Sanborn, who plays the, the male character in that scene, um, he, ju- his, he just, wow, I was, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I just, it, it came to life in a way that I hadn't imagined before. But I'll, I'll say another okay. thing that um, really that we can talk about. It's um, a little more than halfway through, just past the midpoint, and things aren't going well for Lucy. She's just been fired. And she and Ryan, her best friend, who's, played by Camille Guadi are, are sitting in the trunk of her car um, and they're eating, they're eating licorice and the trunk is open and they're, they're sitting in the trunk of their car. That sounds bad. And they're overlooking the, the iconic shot of the Valley from Mulholland drive. And they just have this really beautiful moment. And, you know, we were really stressed to get that shot. There were a couple of factors that were um, leaning in on us and we, we needed to get it. And so at the end of that scene, I just, I felt like we, we'd gotten it. And I just went on and I said, uh, I love you to her in character, but I just had this kind of relief of we've gotten the scene. And she just went on with it. And it turned into this really sweet, poignant moment that ends with us genuinely as people, you know, working in the character still laughing. But that was just us on screen in that moment. And that was such a lovely surprise and that stayed in it. 
Um, but I mean, we stuck uh, to the script that's... mostly. But there was a there was a little bit of improv with um, the character of Hugo, who's a who's one of my friends at the 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 Guatemalan, slightly effeminate waiter. Um, he he had some fun improv stuff that just he was just hilarious. Went on. He was hilarious. I, I, would, I would love to, I would love to say I would love to get an outtake reel on that. <laughs> you know what? You know what? There is there is an outtake reel of oh god, did we shoot this or did we just do it? I think we might have shot it, but um, in the moment we were just kind of playing around. Um, they were putting a new card in the camera or something, and and so he and I switched roles. And I played him and oh. he played me. We just switched. It was really fun. I wonder, you know what? I should look at the raw footage and see if that's there. I love that I, character. I, I, I love that guy. Yeah, I wish you were at our, our release party the other night because he was there. But the character is actually based on um, a character, a friend of mine from when I waited tables back in the day at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Um, his name was Hugo. And so he was there at the party. And so is Chris Triana, the character who plays Hugo. I mean, it's not the real Hugo. It's loosely based on his life. But, I mean, it's, it's very loosely based on his character. I shouldn't say his life at all. But um, they, there's a picture of the two of them, and which is really cool to me. It's like the, the actor Hugo and the real character Hugo united in that moment. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm mentally seeing where, you're, where you applied this. And I could see that, that being a really good thing. Now, something uh, that just applies to your writing or what keeps you going, uh, I know it's always cliche and to ask filmmakers what films influence them, and we cannot, there's hundreds of films that influence us, and tomorrow it'll be a different hundred films. But So I'm interested, really, because the, there was great albums that you always listened to when you wrote were there things that just like were always in your car when you were going to set like where where were you musically in this creative process uh, yeah it's interesting that you say that because it's a very musical film in ways I just um, I was on a panel at the Society of Composers and Lyricists talking about this and we have 24 songs in the film plus about 24, 25 pieces of score. So there's a lot of music in it. And, you know, it's about Lucy falling in love with this guitar teacher who's played by Owen Mackin, whose character name is Graham. So there's a lot of musical um, references and influences around it. Um, But musically to me, when I, and when I put this together and when you put a, after you edit a film, before you give it to your composer or your music supervisor, the, the general norm is to temp score it. So I, you, temp, you temp score it and you put temp music in it. So I temp scored this like to the nth degree. I mean, it was overly scored at the beginning. But when I put the music in it, I had put all these great 80s songs in it because it's an 80s prom-themed wedding that they're going to. And so that was really that was a big influence to me at this kind of eighties feel like this sort of John Hughes feel. I mean, I'm sure you get that. Well, I don't want to give anything away, but you know, with Owen at the end and um, just that prom was, you know, I mean, I was hugely influenced by pretty and pink and the breakfast club. And I wanted that sort of fun kind of, even though the girls are in their early thirties, that sort of first love feel to it that, that John Hughes, brings to his films or brought to his films, I should say. Um, 
I should tell you, actually, aside, I'll get back to this. I, we screened this at the South Dakota Film Festival, um, and one of the guests at the South Dakota Film Festival was Anthony Michael Hall, who, you know, was in Vacation and so many John Hughes films. And, um, yes. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, anyways, so at 16 Candles, it couldn't come to me. But so he was at that screening, and so he was sitting in front of me during the screening, and he was really complimentary about the film. But it was a really kind of strange moment for me, who had grown up with watching him and aspiring to make those kinds of films. And here he is sitting in front of me laughing at my movie. And um, we had a really cool moment after where he gave me some great advice, which I won't forget, and um, it was really sweet of him. But, but all of That's that That's so say, fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, it was just like did he, did he still have Judd Nelson's circle. dope in his pants? No, no, nope. I think he would moved on. <laughs> um, but but um, but wait, where were we going with this? Oh, the influences. We were talking but about John Hughes, from, like you know, and yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So go ahead. You, yeah, you were you were talking about the music and John Hughes, which of course, as you know, John Hughes would. What was the was the guy who would have albums playing in his office? And I don't know if you ever read this, but I read that because uh, of course Cameron Crowe is the master of using the soundtrack. That when yeah, he was doing yeah. Fast Times, and they had offices next to each other on Universal, so oh my they God. would be writing and then spending their time talking about music on their lunch breaks. And I just thought that would have been so fun to be a fly on the wall with John Hughes and Cameron Crowe around the Say Anything time of hearing that. Amazing. So yeah, so you were just mentioning that flow of music and the John Hughes, you know, I think yeah, pretty. Yeah, and I mean, that was yeah. sort of oh, pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty, yes. Those were, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, I was, I'm probably giving away a spoiler, but nobody can get mad at me because I produced it. So no one <laughs> was co-producing it. <laughs> nobody can say, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have said this, but um, you know, the bride wears the, a pretty and pink dress to her wedding, you know, like at the end. So, I mean, I'm hugely influenced by that. But, um, but aside from that, that was kind of earlier on. And then other stuff that I kind of, when I got more into my teens and later teens, I was um, hugely influenced by films like Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy. And I just thought these were the funniest films ever. And, and I wanted to play those roles. I wanted to play the boy roles and they just, you know, they weren't written for women. So right. I guess, and then, you know, that and like Dirty Dancing, like th- that, those are my influences, right? So if you kind of take Dumb and Dumber meets Dirty Dancing meets a John Hughes film, maybe that's what I was, maybe that's what I tried to create because there are <laughs> those sort so, of Dumb and, Dumb and Dumber moments. You know, I know. I, I, I've never good. heard a filmmaker you know say Breakfast Club and Tommy Boy in the same, <laughs> you know, like, it just, I mean, that just, that's, I, I have to just be like, I'm not a film snob and, but that's just, that's like the funniest thing I've ever, I mean, that's just classic. Like, I love it. Tommy Boy and the Breakfast yeah. Club. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's, it's, it's like yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever makes, whatever gets you going is, is what's important. Uh, since, since you talked about these films that influence you and you mentioned these different things and definitely, of course, another podcast is women directors and men directors and, and that stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm, uh, um, but uh, a question that I had, since you mentioned these, these very different films that you enjoyed and styles, um, do you have a genre that 
I'm the head of Columbia. I call you up and I say, Rainy, you get to do what you want, but it's not about the toys, the money, the cast. What genre do you want to do? You get your dream genre. What would you like to make? Oh, wait, is this really happening or is this hypothetical? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, okay. Bummer. Oh, wait, it's hypothetical. Okay, then let's just make a horror. I, I'm actually on the Columbia no. lot right now, and I just... <laughs> you're, we're call, yeah, you're at my door, right? Is this where yeah. Oprah gives away a contract, and you get a contract, right. and you get a contract? <laughs> oh, damn it. Is this, wait, is this true? Okay, so um, any genre. Well, you know... You, you ask pensive questions where I have to actually think. Um, I really <laughs> oh, I, I, like... I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> I, you know, it is. It is. I, in my, you know, there's a couple of genres that I just stay away from. I, I just can't get behind... Here, it's very simple for me. I have to be able to watch a film and believe that it could happen. I need to go on the journey. Like the year Eight Mile came out, that was hands down my favorite movie. I just was there in that world. I went on that journey. I believed that that could and did happen. And you know, films in that in that sense, it doesn't matter what the genre is. But sci-fi just don't like. I can't get into it in that way. Um, but that being said, any sort of honest, true story whatever the genre interests me, but I lean towards comedy just because it's fun. But I, I, you know, as slapsticky as it can be, I feel it's always got to be rooted in truth or I, or I'm a little, it gets derailed for me. So I want to say, um, you know, a, a big fun comedy that still has a lot of kind of truth and heart and poignant moments to it. That would be, that would be the dream. But I mean, I, well, I have my, I mean, I have two, Oh, go ahead. No, what I was gonna say, what I was gonna say was, was you, the question you just answered, you already did. Right. I want to do it again, and again. Yeah. Okay. And I yeah, want to no, do it I mean, with the, big, saying, with the bigger saying, budget. Like, you're, yeah, your film was your film was totally poignant, and you maxed the production value, and it was hilarious. And there's a little surprise for you on the review of. Uh, what of one of our producers who watched it did that your film inspired. Um, so oh, then, no. <laughs> I guess I guess the next question would be, oh, okay, never mind. You actually answered it. You said sci-fi, but aside that not being your taste, is there a film you would? Is there a genre you would never make, and it not just being about your taste? Like it's just you don't care that you need the work. You don't care that you want to make a film. Just. Your artistic well, side is saying no. You know, I I kind of think that I would never make a horror, but I would make a comedy horror tomorrow. I mean, I don't have one written, but I would definitely, um, I think that would be really fun. Like the whole Scream series, like I just thought that was brilliant. So that, that I mean, so probably wouldn't make a horror, but if it was a, you know, fun comedy horror, I would probably, I would probably go in that direction. I also, you know, because I have, so the wedding invitation is the first of a three picture slate that I'm doing with my company. And the next one is um, Dead Between Alley and Vegas, which is a, you know, no, you don't know. Why do I say that? A slapstick, shoot 'em up, dead guy, middle of the desert, person in trunk, band of idiots, comedy. Um, and so, but also, you know, hopefully 
based in, in truth and real dialogue and real conversations. And um, so that's the, the next one. But the one after that is called Baden, and it is um, a really dark psychological thriller, more in the vein of si- Silence of the Lambs. So I think what I do is, you know, I kind of, I kind of dabble in, in what I feel like at the moment. And I, I know that, you know, as a director and especially as a first time director, you got to find your niche and do that because that's what, that's how you're going to sell the next one. Right. It's like, she does this well, but I think as a, as a director and an actress, I'm, I'm not just that one person. Um, and as I operate here on the outskirts of Hollywood in the independent world, um, I do have that freedom. You know, I, it would be nice to cross over and, and make the $20 million film, but um, you know, currently as I'm operating under my production company, I, I mean, I have the, the freedom to kind of go back and forth between genres and maybe I'll stick with one eventually, but you know, I kind of feel like I do one and then I, I've got to, I got to change it up a little bit. You know, this was a very kind of female heavy driven John Hughes meets Dumb and Dumbers. <laughs> That's a terrible elevator, right, right. by the way. Like that film is not. Oh, oh made. yeah. That, yeah. I would have gotten off on a different worse. I'm the um, worst. No, you should have. I would have gotten. I would have gotten off on the top floor and jumped. <laughs> like that was. That's how bad that pitch is. The the thing is, yeah. is that you're you're just the 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 way the film worked. And please, everyone, you can just go one episode back in the archive and listen to the review of this film. I told Rainey on the phone. So audience members that are new to this. Um, the review is like two kids that had too much candy at Disneyland. So, um, (laughs) know that if you listen to other shows, I'm, I'm not usually that hyper, but myself and one of the producers just had such a blast watching this film. And, and honestly, Rainey, what I wanted to say to you about, uh, how you mentioned just, you knew you had to be in the moment was we were going over, how are we going to do this? And we were having this meeting and we were taking notes and we were just, thinking like, you know, the review's got to, you know, it's got to be somewhat like, you know, as cool as the film. And then the the other producer looked at me and said, you know what? The film just had fun and, and the film just did what it was. So why don't we just do it? And so we just decided to go on and just have fun. Still, you know, oh. keep that outline, you know, so we're not just being fools, but um, it was like that it, your, your film kind of opened that door to just say, you know what, this was obviously a crew and a film that had a lot of fun. So let's just have fun instead of making everything have to be A, B, C, D. And so that's what you guys can check out for the review. I think I have one. Let's see. I don't think I have any other questions for you other than please take the time to plug all of your whatever you want to plug of how people can learn more and uh, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. Hey, thanks. I got the floor, huh? Um, you got well, the, floor. the film is, the film is out um, everywhere on VOD. So you can, you can stream it or rent it on your cable provider VOD or iTunes um, or Amazon or uh, Xbox. I mean, basically anywhere you get it. Um, yeah, and it's, it's called The Wedding Invitation. Um, you can go to our website if you want, which is weddinginvitationmovie.com. There's a little gallery and some stuff there. Or follow us on, on Facebook and all that good stuff. My I have an amazing social media team that I, every day I look and I'm like, 
oh, they put up that picture of me. Oh, boy. I mean, <laughs> not always flattering, but, but always funny. And they have carte blanche to put up any picture of me. So some of the gifs they've put up have made me laugh. So they're doing a great job. I, yeah, huge shout out to the whole distribution team. And, um, yeah, Kyle is uh, at Rabau and the team at Freestyle is, is just killing it. So very grateful to everybody involved with it. Yeah. You guys do. You guys really do have an awesome uh, social media plan or social media thing. And the poster, uh, whoever does it, I, I want to give this compliment to them that, uh, like I told you, when I won't say where you were when I messaged you that, but um, poster and uh, you know meets the film so well and. So you guys want to go online, you can, you know, Google this. The poster will probably prop up. The poster's as fun as the movie. The colors, I wish we had had more, had more time because uh, you'll hear in the review, we talked about some of the production design. The production design was amazing. The colors, so. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sean this is the whole team. production designer, and she did amazing. But the poster was created by KO Creative, who I highly recommend. Um, but the photography is Dale Dudick, who who gave us those photos. So huge shout out to him for the donation of taking those photos and giving them to us because they really made the poster. So oh yeah, Dale. you know your poster, your poster. I I I I have a number of guests who who I've who have given me DVDs, and I want to let you know that if you ever sell posters, I will buy one because <laughs> I obviously don't hang DVDs in the office, but. Uh, as we've had guests and as they've come back, it, I, it's been fun to have this little pile and be like, you know, hey, such and such sent a DVD and and all you guys, you're just kicking ass. I love it. And I want to thank you on air. One last thing. I, I say this in the review, but I want to say it because this will be a different audience. I don't bullshit. I don't tell filmmakers what they want to hear, PR reps, festivals. Um, but uh, I I want to thank you for the fact that you've contributed to this show and this is literally the first time that we're really doing something for your film because you've you know from telling us about Sarah's film to to Lee's film to Katie and so we also just wanted to say uh thank you for that because it it has enhanced the show and put us out there so um we're very excited that we got to do this day because we felt like it was like we, we need to support back you know Thanks, Paul. I really I appreciate you saying that, but I got to say, like us indie filmmakers, we're so grateful for people like you guys that put this on the air because, you know, we're all in this together and uh, it's much appreciated that, you know, you're giving us some airtime and reviews and taking your time to do it. Back at you, buddy. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Rainey. I appreciate it. Oh, and by the way, so people know, this is also... Um, other stuff so tell your Canada buddies don't think that this is just an American thing and um, so with that with that we you know because you know we gotta I Canada I would move there tomorrow if I could Um, but yeah again thank you for stopping by well not stop you know I mean the term I say that to sound cool I say stopping by and people are like people come to the studio Um, so yeah so just have a great day, Rainy, and just really it, congratulations again on this week, and I just hope it just kicks complete ass. Awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. Have a good one.
All right. You take care and aloha. And of course, talking pictures with, with her, uh, not on the air. We thank her and we thank all our guests. Uh, this, like, as I had said in the beginning, this was something that we had been, uh, you know, just waiting for the release date. And it's just so exciting to be doing. I'm, I'm still excited. I want to talk more, but there's no reason to talk because the guest is gone. And so I want to say, whether it's morning, afternoon, or night, make sure and watch a good movie. And this is only the second time I'm going to say it. Actually, just make sure you watch The Wedding Invitation. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. Guys, girls, date movie, just go get it. Take care. Have a great day. Spread some peace and aloha to everyone.